You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Hi, I'm Elisa Gardner, host of Develop Your Character, brought to you by Camp Broadway. We're bringing you candid conversations with theater educators, industry experts and insiders, and savvy parents, geared toward helping culture-loving kids and aspiring artists become great performers on and off stage at every stage of their lives. Our guest today is Tara Rubin, founder and head of Tara Rubin Casting, which since 2001 has cast hit musicals such as School of Rock, Mamma Mia, Jersey Boys, Aladdin, and many, many others. In addition to high-profile Broadway productions of plays and productions at top-tier regional theaters. Before forming her own company, Tara worked for 15 years at Johnson Lip Associates on various other high-profile shows. Her current productions include musical adaptations of The Secret of My Success, A Walk on the Moon, and The Outsiders. And Tara is also a judge at the Jimmy Awards, which launched Dear Evan Hansen star Andrew Barth Feldman and others. Longtime client Rick Ali says, Tara and her team aren't merely casting people, they are creative partners. They treat each project with the kind of care and respect and attention that parents try to give their kids. And that seems like a pretty good place to start this podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Tara. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Great. Well, when you were a kid, did you have any interests or inclinations that in retrospect would have pointed you in the direction you went? Were you really into theater? I I loved the theater. I loved any I loved movies, television, um, dance. My third grade teacher, Miss Victoria Craddeville in St. Louis, um, she showed us a film strip, which Probably people who are listening don't know what that is, but it was a, it was an educational tool that you know, was um, like a film strip in a projector that projected images on a on a screen, and she showed us a, a film strip about the Globe Theater, and then she read us passages from Julius Caesar, and she was a very progressive teacher, an incredible teacher. And so that really, I always sort of think back to like after that, I sort of saw everything in terms of like <laughs> its its performability, you know. And I I thought about language differently after that. So um, that was definitely the start. And then you know we lived in suburbs and not in places where there was a lot of uh, theater. But my parents took us to 
the things that we could get to. And um, we saw some national tours. We went to the St. Louis Muni Opera. Um, and so, uh, and we saw, you know, everything we could on television. So that was my background. And it was a lot of sitting in a backyard or, stand, you know, dancing in a backyard, pretending that I was, you know, Juliet or <laughs> Rosalind or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, it was a lot of imagination involved more than actual training. Although I did, I was allowed to take, um, I took ballet, I took tap and ballet. So, Great. A so bit the of a classics, dancer. it sounded like, with your, with your <laughs> yeah. drama, your early drama experience. Yes. When did you become aware of the role of a casting director? In fact, why don't you explain for everybody, because not everybody listening may know, what exactly it is uh, that a casting director does. Sure. Um, a casting director is hired by either um, a regional theater or a commercial producer to find the actors who will be the the cast of whatever show is being produced. So we are we are brought on board to help tell the story, find the right people to tell the story. Um, if a show is on Broadway or a national tour and it um, requires its long, you know, it, it's a long running show and it requires replacement casting, we stay on and take care of all of that as well as the original company. So some shows like Phantom of the Opera, we've been casting. Uh, I started that at Johnson Liff. And so, you know, it's been, I've been there. I was the casting assistant for the original company. And oh, wow. we continue to do that at our office. So it's fun to have those kind of long ranging, enduring relationships with a project, and you see how it, it changes over the years. And um, so um, that's what a casting director basically does. You know, we're there to, I always say, we're there to serve the imaginations of the team, of the writer and director, uh, musical director. Um, it's not just a soprano. It's a soprano who sounds like this or a soprano who, you know. And um, so we are, are there to offer our understanding of the actors we know. We're there to continue to search for actors we don't already know if they seem more, you know, if um, if that seems like an appropriate step. And uh, so it's, it's always sort of, an, it's an ongoing aspect of uh, theater production. Right. Particularly, I would imagine, with big hits like Phantom and um, some of the other shows you've worked on have been running for, for years and years at yes. this point. Um, what is your interaction like with the director, with the musical director, with a with a playwright, you know, that all of all of those creative players. Well, for me, that's my favorite part of what we do. Um, hearing what a director has to say, watching directors work with actors, you know, everybody each director does it differently. Um, some are incredibly gracious and, you know, meet an actor at the door, say, you know, they say hello, um, they say goodbye. And that's always a beautiful kind of, you know, creative situation to be in. Some direct directors are actually kind of shy and they, they don't say very much to the actors and they're, you know, it's, it's not the most comfortable situation for them. So that's when we try to, uh, 
help bridge the gap between the the actor's experience and the director's experience and you know try to help them meet a little bit more um there's a lot of kind of hosting and uh uh, a lot of emotional intelligence at play in casting, you know, like when it's time to take a break, when it's time to say, does everybody, should we get a coffee? Should we, can I send someone for coffee? Or, uh, you know, when it's time to pause, when it's time to really try to speed things up because you see energy flagging or, um, and also I think, you know, one thing I always try to do is keep the the creative conversation as positive as I can. There is a tendency sometimes for people to say, you know, negative things about it, about, you know, we just try to never let anything get negative. If, if, if a person isn't appropriate, we say, okay, let's go on to the next person, <laughs> you know? And so, um, so there's a lot of that besides knowing who we think are the best actors to tell the story. There's that aspect of it. And there's also, I think, the aspect of knowing um, a director's work. And so, you know, if it's a director I've never worked with, I'm, I will do a lot of research and look at the actors he's worked with, look at the plays he's done, and try to get a sense of the tone and the sensibility. Um, and try to, from that, you know, try to sort of basically like, you know, serve his mind and, and get as close to it as I can um, before we even get started. Well, that's, that's a lot, you know, part diplomat, part. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, that's a part lot caterer. of stuff to do, right? <laughs> no, food is important mm, always. It is. In breaking the ice. Um, how does somebody get to see you and how would he or she prepare well, we do um, a lot of equity required calls. So those are um, auditions that are uh, the producers are required to do um, by the terms of the contract that they hold with the union. So, um, you know, a production contract or even nowadays, even some of our developmental work, we take the time to do open calls for them, equity required calls. And I always encourage people to attend those even if they aren't an equity member because oftentimes there's time to see the non-equity people. Um, so that's a very good way. Another way is um, th the technology that's available to everyone these days has been, I think, a tremendous help uh, to early career actors. A lot of people have websites, and I use them a lot because so much of the casting that I do um, is casting a reading or a workshop where there might not be a lot of auditions. So I'm in a position of recommending and suggesting actors rather than organizing auditions for them. And so, you know, whatever tape or uh, reels that someone might have, clips of, of her singing on a, at 54 Below or at a, even at, you know, a small concert, um, all of those things are become tools for me to share with people who, with creative teams who might not know the, know the actors themselves. So those are, those are two ways. And um, I always love to hear that somebody is doing something, you know, if you're doing some sort of a, an off-off-Broadway piece that you have helped put together yourself. I might not get there, and I might try to get someone else in the office to go, 
But just knowing that you're doing that is is exciting to me. And it, it just becomes part of what I know about you. It's so I always like actors to, uh, you know, send us information about the things that they're doing. Yeah, you must get a lot of invitations. <laughs> we, we do. We do. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about the, the self-tape, I think it's called, because we had Melissa Errico, the singer and actress, on as a guest. And she wrote an article in the New York Times, and I think you were interviewed for it, in fact, where she discussed that about um, how technology has changed things, people now submitting videos. Um, how has that impacted the process? Does it make roles more accessible to less experienced or non-union actors? And are the union actors, how do they feel about that? Um, it's a, it's a, a, I try to think of self-taping as a tool. The things that it helps me with um, are things like uh, if I'm casting a regional production and I'm very excited about an actor, but she happens to be working at Milwaukee Rep, and there's just no way for her to get to New York. So she can send a tape, and then if, there, if there's as much excitement as I anticipate there's going to be about that actor, we can figure it out. We can arrange to have her come in on her day off, hopefully, or we can maybe arrange a Skype se session so that at least we can have some interaction with her. Um, so those are the good aspects of it. Um, I do think we, I don't think that it has uh, replaced, it, in the theater, I'm only talking about the theater, but I don't think it has replaced the live audition, um, at least not in my world. I know that a lot of people talk about, oh, I have to self-tape for this and that, and it, and I, I understand that it, 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 prob it might feel to the actors as if we have taken some of the responsibility for the audition um, away from ourselves and put it on them, which actually that's what it is. But in situations where someone is far away or, uh, you know, it, it becomes a really helpful tool. We also can tape final auditions for people who live in London. And so the, you know, the, the, team doesn't have to always be here for every single person and we can we can tape replacement auditions which I think is helpful because you know if you're an actor auditioning to play a part in a you know a long-running show uh, I can't share your work with the with the director you know who's no longer here but that's a way that I can share your work and I you know I can I can um increase opportunities for actors by by taping rather than sticking to someone that you know a director might already know or have already worked with so so those are the good parts of it I I do understand the the I want to, the word that comes to mind is burden I'm not sure that's the precise word but I understand the the burden that it might seem like that it must seem like to to many actors it's you know it's a Technology is changing, I think, things for all of us yes. in every industry. Yes. Um, well, since you're an expert on, on all these matters, I hope you can indulge us to maybe clarify a few related things for young artists who are starting out and their parents. Um, what is the difference between an agent and a manager, for example? Well, agents are usually part of a team of, of agents, you know, an agency, and they have uh, a 
a roster of clients. They're involved in the actor's life in terms of uh, career development, uh, guiding them toward particular roles, helping them organize the materials that they need, you know, arranging appointments. Managers have a tendency, managers will be, have a, usually, uh, fewer clients and will be more involved in, um, uh, like, the the more personal, they will, the more personal uh, aspects of a performer's life, helping them with their uh, social media, helping them with uh, their, you know, the opening night clothes, um, uh, helping them uh, arrange for uh, introducing them to publicists and and people like that. So it's a much more individual uh, um, aspect of representation and talent management. And do you deal with both? Or? We do. Yeah. We do one more frequently than the other, or. Um, no, I wouldn't say, I mean, that, you know, oftentimes you speak to the agent and then the manager calls and you have the exact same conversation <laughs> with the manager. But uh, I, I like talking to both. Uh, and I think sometimes I can, um, especially if, a, if an actor is kind of a high profi- profile person, sometimes talking to his or her manager gives you an and the information that I need gives me the information I need more quickly. Oh, he's he's really not focusing on theater right now, or he's going to be traveling, or he's making a movie in Indonesia for three months. So, like all of that information kind of comes much more quickly sometimes from the manager because she has fewer people that she has to deal with, you know. But yeah. um, but there's so many, you know, they're very good agents and very good managers. So it's it's a personal thing. Yeah, the one other distinction I wanted to ask you about was, um, you know, there's this university versus conservatory question that I think a lot of students face or young people trying to get into theater. Do you have thoughts about one versus the other, the benefits? or It's so individualistic. You know, I think that there are some people um, who know from such an early age that what they want to do is be a performer. And so going to a conservatory is absolutely the right decision and the right for, for the right move for them um, the the kind of uh, education that they want and that they need is specialized it's acting singing dancing you know that that's the kind of education that they want and that will serve them best it's not the only way to become a great actor you know, and um, I always think that, you know, an actor who has uh, a range of experiences throughout her life, traveling, doing other jobs, finding other related, maybe allied fields that you like to work in. Um, you know, we live in a world where I think young people are are very, um, they're hyphens, hyphenates, you know, they, they write, they sing, they dance, they music direct. It's, they play instruments. It's, it's amazing. And I love that. And so whatever you can do to develop your, your full self and your full soul, I think is the right thing for you. So for, for, for instance, I went to, um, Boston University and I was in the acting program at the Fine Arts College, which is a BFA program. And after two years, I realized that 
the kind of education I wanted was broader than that, that I wanted a more liberal, liberal arts education at that point in my life. So I transferred into the liberal arts college and majored in English. And then I did some other things in New York before I started casting. So I feel like that was the right background for me. Um, if while I was in college, I had heard that there were casting directors, I probably would have never done anything else. <laughs> you know, I probably because it really was sort of the right spot for me in this world, the right job for me. Um, but it, very few people land exactly on ex what they're going to do. You know, the, at in their twenties. So I think that people should kind of. Uh, I love the the idea of young people taking the time to explore. Right. And as a performer, certainly, you have to be a hyphenate nowadays. I mean, the term triple threat we've always had, but now it's like quadruple threat, yes. quintuple threat. You have to play instruments and do gymnastics, some of these roles. Yes. yes. So, so the more well-rounded and the more time you take, it's very hard to have a, a strong artistic uh need, you know, and, and desire, and also be patient. And I think that that's probably the, you know, attention in artists' lives that's one of the more dif most difficult things that they have to navigate. It's like, you know, giving, them so giving themselves time to be and also feel like they're pursuing their goals. That's, that's a challenge. Yeah. Sure is. Well, along those lines, if you could advise a young performer, or for that matter, the parent of a young performer, uh, generally what to expect from the casting process, um, you know, emotionally, as well as the technical aspect, what sort of words of wisdom could you offer? Oh, it's such a good question. Um, I would say that parents should emphasize uh, the the process aspect of casting, that actors go on many, many auditions, and that's part of the job. And so, you know, when you leave an audition, if you have shared your talent and had a good time, that that's a successful audition. And as I think keeping the focus on the fun of it all, the what did we learn from that, who did we meet that was interesting, let's read up on him, whatever they can do to make it a, a broader experience than just like was my person, was my son called back, was my son, you know, at, and I also think the, <laughs> and I, I realize this is a lot to ask, but the, the more the parents can be the support and not not the the subject of the experience. Oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, it's just to like just let it be what it is, um, and and just concentrate on the on the fun and and the the fact that you know you got to do something fun and you were brave. You went in and did it. You um, you you must be you know you must be pretty proud of yourself for for doing what you did. And I am proud of you, son, for, for doing what you did and and just kind of letting it go from there, de-emphasizing the other part of it. I think that's really important for young performers. And, and, and it's actually probably not bad for early career artists to, like, tell themselves that, too, you know. Right. And I'm sure that's part of what you do as well. Yes, especially with children, you know, it, 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 I always think that... It, 
children have to do an adult's job. You know, it's not like the the kids who are in School of Rock were doing a junior version of of uh, being in a in a Broadway show. They have to be there eight, eight shows a week. They have to do exactly what all of the adults are doing, and there's no other. You know, at least in the you know, industrial world, there's not a place where we do that anymore, you know? And so whatever kind of supports we can give them while they're in that experience of, of you know, having to put a good bit of their childhood on hold while they're working, they're going to work every day. I know the Actors Fund has um, a lot of resources and uh, a whole beautiful center uh, for the families of of children who are in Broadway shows to go and, you know, just having a physical space for a family to hang out while they're waiting for their, to pick up their their son or daughter at the stage door. Like, that's a problem for some families if you live, you know, you don't live in Manhattan. So um, the Actors Fund, I think, has really stepped up to try to help the families and, and in those situations and offer some services, counseling, you know. Um, and, and I think the more we can remind on my side of it we have to remind ourselves that they're children you know yeah. and that, you know and so oh, yeah no I, I know what you mean I have a 12 year old so <laughs> <laughs> well since the title and the mission of this podcast is develop your character um, I'll I'll wrap by asking you what does that word character mean to you well in my my life character is sort of like what you know, who you are, you know, uh, how you deal with adversity, how you deal with um, stresses and and even, you know, the great joys of your life, like how you handle those things is your character. And I, it's funny because I use that word a lot. Like, oh, my God, he has really deep character. He's He's got great character. Um, so that's what it means to me personally. Um, the characters, obviously, in the work that I do are all different and, you know, require an actor to to dive into them and try to fill them out with details. Yeah, so that they, they work with each other, I suppose, you know, everything informs everything else. One other thing that I think is... Well, I, I'm, I started to say important, but I'm not sure that's exactly the right word. But one thing that parents can remember is that if your children love singing and dancing and acting and literature and in, uh, music, there are all kinds of opportunities for them to do that that aren't professional. So just because your son is the best tap dancer in your in his class or your child sings beautifully he or she doesn't have to start auditioning for Broadway shows. There are so many, you know, robust programs in New York that kids can go to and continue, um, have a performance opportunity and have an educational opportunity. And so, you know, I hope that parents realize that keeping it fun is, is the primary thing with, with young, young performers. 
Absolutely. That's how they learn, generally, <laughs> by having fun. Well, thanks again, Tara. And thanks to all of you who've tuned into this episode of Develop Your Character. We're always looking for listeners' input. So if you have a question or observation about Tara, about something else that we've discussed, or anything theater or character related, you can reach us on social media or visit our website. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, you can leave a review on iTunes or share with your friends on social media. For more information on Camp Broadway, Broadway's original destination for theater-loving kids, check out our site at campbroadway.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.